What is going on everyone? Welcome back to Raise the Apple. We have a little bit to talk about today. Starting with the Mets yesterday, they split their doubleheader with the Cardinals. They lost game one, but came back in one game two. Jordan Yamamoto made his Mets debut because we had a little bit, a little bit of an injury scare with Jacob deGrom. Although Yamamoto being brought up had to do with Nimmo being played, or not Nimmo. Nimmo was placed on the IL, but Yamamoto had nothing to, like getting brought up, had nothing to do with DeGrom's injury. But DeGrom's quote-unquote injury, he had a little bit of soreness in his right side, just a little bit of inflammation, thankfully. Huge, huge sigh of relief. He avoided a lat injury, which could have been horrible. I believe Noah Syndergaard had lat a lat issue and was out for just about a whole year. So thank goodness that it was just some inflammation. And DeGrom will be okay, so it's okay. He's scheduled to make his next start. If you're the Mets, they did the right move. Skip his start, make it, or treat him with baby gloves just so nothing happens because you're not. we're not going anywhere without him. If you're the Mets, you're not going anywhere without DeGrom. You need him leading the charge. But the next little bit is uh, today's an afternoon game, so hopefully this will be uploaded in time before the game. One fifteen first pitch. Uh, let me just double check on the pitching matchup today. Taiwan Walker will get the start. Mets will look to uh, win, or no, it'd be a series split because they lost on Monday. That he will go against John Gant of the Cardinals. So hopefully we can get away with a series uh, split which is always good, splits or series wins is what we're looking for throughout the whole year. Losing series, getting swept, we can't have those. We need to do the sweeping or at the very minimum split these series, and I think they'll they'll be fine. They need to, they'll need they catch fire at some point. These guys, especially Lindor, I know Lindor's 0 for 20-something. He, these guys are way too good to stay where they are for the whole year. They're way too good to stay where they are for the whole year. I'm not worried completely yet. Maybe a little bit. You kind of think they'd bust out of it by now. But they will be fine. No need to worry yet. The next thing with regards to the Mets, and then we have some Major League Baseball stuff, is the Chili Davis stuff added a little bit of drama. So the Chili Davis drama, well, it's not really drama. So... As we talked about on Tuesday, Mets fired Hill, uh, Chili Davis, who's their hitting coach and their assistant hitting coach. And it, the decision was made a week ago, but they cannot make it official because they have to follow like league COVID rules with terms of new hires. So it took a little bit. They wanted to make sure they had replacements before they fired him. So this was already planned a planned event. This is the part that kind of annoyed me a little bit. The players did not know that he was being fired. The Mets players found out, or some of them, some of them found out on Twitter. Pete Alonso said he was eating his post-game meals, playing around on his phone, went on Twitter, or not Twitter, or was just playing around on his phone because Pete deleted his Twitter, was playing around on his phone and got the MLB at bat notification saying that Chili was fired. Some players did see on Twitter, some people got that, some players got that at bat notification saying that Chili was fired. And that's how a lot of them found out. That annoyed me. Because that is one of the most Mets things ever. That should not happen. They should have been informed. They had a players meeting with Zach Scott. 
who, for those of you who don't know, is the current acting GM for the Mets. They had a players meeting with him, and the players were not happy. I don't know if they were more unhappy that he was fired or that they they found out the way they did, but they had a, a they had a justifiable reason for being upset with the way that happened. Pete was very upset. Reporter asked him, you know, what was said in the meeting and all that stuff. And Pete, Pete has been great with handling the media. It's one of the reasons I love Pete Alonzo. He's been great with handling questions like that. And he said, you know, what was said in that meeting is between us and all that. He said, but they know how we feel. And when he said they, he was referring to the front office, indicating they were not happy with him, with Chili being fired. He was very close with the players. They were very close with each other. Uh, Jeff McNeil was upset that he was fired. Francisco Lindor said he was heartbroken that he was fired. And Lindor kind of blamed himself a little bit, saying, you know, if he didn't go on his this 0 for 20, at the time he was 0 for 21. If he didn't go 0 for 21, he may, Chili Davis may still have a job. And that just goes to show that that it's a big question mark if that was the right move. I like it but don't like it. And why I like it, it's because this new regime with Steve Cohen, if something is wrong, it, they've shown with firing Chili Davis this early into the season, they're showing that they're not going to let this drag out through for an entire year or anything like that. They're going to make a move and make them. If they're going to make a move, they're going to make it right then and there and fix it right then and there. From that standpoint, I like it. They're mean business. However, I don't know if I like it because I don't know if firing Chili Davis was the right move, especially this early into the season. I'm kind of surprised this early into the season. If this were like July or August and the Mets weren't were still not hitting, I guess I can understand maybe then firing Chili Davis. But... Again, I don't, like I've said before, I think that more blame needs to be put on the players for underperforming rather than the coach, but the coaches are the scapegoats in sports, which if it's fair or not, the argument could be made both ways. So I didn't really, I personally didn't like that. I didn't like that they were finding out via social media and all that stuff. I think that's a very bad look for the Mets front office and just this team... <laughs> I love this team, but sometimes they just can't get it out, get out of their own way. And this is another one of those instances when they just can't get out of their own way. But, you know, what are you going to do? They play today at 115, like I mentioned before, Taiwan Walker against John Gant, looking for a series split. And next week, they're home against the Orioles. And as it stands right now, assuming there are no injuries on the Orioles' side and assuming there's no weather issues... Matt Harvey is scheduled to pitch at City Field next week, make his City Field return for the first time since he was traded to Cincinnati in the Devin Mazzarocco trade back in 2018. 2018, since then, he's been with Cincinnati, he's been with the Angels, he's been with the Royals, and now he is with the Orioles. And he's pitching good with the Orioles. He's 3-1 and one with an ERA around 4 right now, last time I looked. It'll be awesome to see Matt Harvey back at City Field. Uh, I obviously wish I could be there and watch him, but you know I on the other side of the state, so can't quite make that work. But Matt Harvey back in City Field, where he 
belongs. I wish it was just, unfortunately, the Matt Harvey situation, it just didn't work out, and I wish it did. You know, I wish Matt Harvey things could have worked out, but as after 2015, you could see the writing on the walls that he just needed to be out of New York, get a change of scenery and a fresh start somewhere, and he's finally found that with Baltimore. Always will be a fan of Matt Harvey. I don't think he got necessarily the best treatment from New York media, but I'm, I'm glad that he's finally found a, hopefully a good home somewhere for the next few years because the talent... What Matt Harvey can bring is just great, great, and I think he'll be. He's. I think he has the potential to be a great leader in that young Orioles clubhouse. Talking about his experiences, maybe mistakes he's made or things he wish he did differently, or stuff like that. With regards to like the New York media hosing him for off the field stuff, hopefully he can teach some of the younger guys in Baltimore how to like handle that better. I just I can't wait to see Harvey back at City Field. I maybe one day we'll see him in. Mets orange and blue again. I doubt that will happen, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. So Matt Harvey, lots to look forward to next week with Matt Harvey making his return to City Field, which reminded me of one last Mets thing to talk about before we'll go to Major League Baseball, and that was the announcement yesterday. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, who's the governor of New York, made the announcement along with Sandy Allerson and the Yankees president. I'm sorry, I do not know who the Yankees president is. They made the announcement regarding COVID and having fans at the ballpark. So if I understood it correct, I'm just going to tell you guys what was said, and then you, based on your own opinions, you can make your feelings about it from there. If I understood it correctly, and there's a chance I may have misunderstood it, but if I understood it correctly, they are no longer requiring negative COVID tests to enter the ballpark. If you have the vaccine, you show proof of vaccine, you will be seated in one area of the ballpark, and if you don't have the vaccine yet, or are just deciding not to get the vaccine, you will be in another section of the ballpark. Again, this is if I understood what was said correctly. I may have misinterpreted parts of it, but this is, I think, if I understand it correctly. Then, Regardless if you have the vaccine or not, you still have to wear masks. The only difference between the non-vaccinated area and the vaccinated area is if you are in the vaccinated area, you can sit next to people. You don't have to social distance. You still have to wear your mask, but you don't have to social distance. And if you're in the non-vaccinated area, you have to wear your mask and still social distance. So we're slowly and slowly making progress. We're getting there. We still got a ways to go, but we're getting there. So ideally, what was said in the announcement yesterday Ideally, the Mets could have a full stadium right now with all vaccinated people wearing masks. So I think City Field capacity is a little over 40,000. They could have a sellout stadium, of, but everyone in there would have to be vaccinated and still wearing their masks. If, again, if I understood that correctly. The Mets and Yankees are doing the same thing. The Blue Jays, who are coming up to play in their AAA home in Buffalo starting June 1st, have made similar rules along with other minor league parks in New York State. So we're getting there. Slowly but surely we're getting there. And they also said that City Field and Yankee Stadium will become vaccine sites if you go there to get the vaccine. Regardless of which one you get, you will get one free ticket to a Met game or Yankee game, depending on which stadium you go to. 
So if you're a Mets fan and you want the vaccine, go to City Field and you'll get a free ticket to the Mets game. Vice versa if you're a Yankee fan. Go to Yankee Stadium. But so that was yesterday. Or that was the big announcement from yesterday. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to add to that. I forgot what I was going to say. Must not have been that important. So we're going to move on from that. I just wanted to give you guys that update. So if you want to get the vaccine, if that is your if your choice is to get it, by all means, go ahead. You can, uh, you'll be able to sit next to people at City Field that aren't your family. If you don't want to get the vaccine, that's also your decision. You will just be in a different spot. Which again, I'm just telling you all that. If you have your own personal opinions on that, take it from, you know, take it from there. But it was a bit strange to see that they're not again this is if i understood it correct i may have been, this is the part i'm unsure of is if they're requiring a negative covid test or not if you're not vaccinated i was kind of surprised they lifted that i figured they regardless they were still going to ha- require a negative covid test to come in but i guess not i guess not But that is all that is going on with the New York Mets. We are now going to transition to the rest of Major League Baseball, starting with the minor league season is underway. After having an entire season canceled last year, they are finally back in action. I am super pumped, especially since I live around a few minor league teams and I'm working with one of them over the summer. It is so good to have minor league baseball back. Hopefully... Uh, things start getting better. Hopefully this is like another stepping stone in life going back to normal post-COVID. We're getting there. So with things starting to open up and start back up again and restrictions starting to be lifted, hopefully things are starting to get back towards normalcy in some way, shape, or form. Uh, The next thing is... Oh, actually, we've got two things left. The first of which I said on Tuesday regarding the Cubs-Cardinals... Uh, bench clearing incident that there was no suspensions shortly after I uploaded that episode there was suspensions dished out Amir Garrett gets seven games Jose or not Jose wow Javi Baez will get a undisclosed fine Uh, Amir Garrett gets the seven games for instigating the bench clearing incident and then a lot of my first thought was well, Amir Garrett instigated a bench-clearing incident. He gets seven games. Jose Alvarado also instigated a bench-clearing incident, but he only got two games. So how does that make sense? But after uh, I talked with my brother about it, because Amir Garrett most likely got more games because he has a history, quote-unquote history, if you want to call it a history, if you remember back in 2019 when he decided to attack the entire city of Pittsburgh, which was awesome when he charged the Pirates dugout so because he has a history of bench clearing incidents incidents he gets a bigger suspension than Jose Alvarado did of the Phillies I assume that Amir Garrett will appeal that Major League Baseball the suspensions this year have been very very questionable if a bench clearing incident happens it's almost customary that someone will be getting suspended for some amount of time which is understandable it, like de- well obviously they're all should be they all should be situation dependent you know if they just get into a screaming match or something like that obviously maybe one or two games is in order 
maybe again this depends on what the situation is i think that it should also depend on one the situation and two if punches are thrown or not if there's a full-out brawl like we saw with the rangers and capitals for you nhl fans if there's a full-blown brawl then obviously yes that warrants a longer suspension because i don't think fight like i understand i guess i understand the excitement it brings but I don't like the. I'm not a fan of the actual like fist fighting that we've seen before. Not recently, but it has happened in the past. Obviously, that warrants a longer suspension. I think Garrett, if you were going to suspend Garrett, I don't necessarily agree. I agree with it, but don't agree with it. I'm like in the middle. I think it only should have been maybe a one or two game suspension. I don't like that they hold his past against him. Because, again, every situation is different. You know, this situation was a lot different than the Pirates incident. The Pirates incident also involved a lot of back and forth with hitting batters, with Derek Dietrich hitting homers, and Chris Archer getting upset that Derek Dietrich was pimping it, and all that kind of stuff. It should be a situation-by-situation basis. I don't like that history kind of plays into... At how long a player gets suspended, unless, of course, the only exception is, in my opinion, is PEDs. If you get caught once, shame on whoever, but if you get caught twice, like, come on. Like, Robinson Cano, you get caught the first time, okay. You get caught the second time, well, like, what are you doing? Once you get caught the first time, you know they're going to have it out for you to make sure you're not doing it again, and then they catch you doing it again, like, come on. So, it's just the punish the way punishments go with Major League Baseball sometimes confuse me. I find myself, I'm in the middle of old school and new school baseball. Old school baseball, you know, a lot less, it's like business as usual. You put your head down, you do your thing. New school baseball, the guys starting to show more emotion, have more fun, starting to be themselves, show more personality, which I like. But I also kind of like the old school. It's like with bat flips. I love bat flips. I think they are great for baseball. But there's also a time and a place for a bat flip. I understand Major League Baseball, it is very difficult to hit a home run. And you should be excited when you hit one. But if you're beating a team let's say 15 to nothing and you're up there and you hit a homer and you bat flip and you pimp it that's where i may have like okay come on you're winning 15 nothing i don't really i don't care if you hit it 7000 feet that's maybe a little bit unsportsman like but if it if you hit like a go ahead homer in the 8th inning in the game in may, i don't care when the game is it could be in may it could be in october if you hit a go ahead homer in the 8th inning pimp that however if your next at bat that pitcher strikes you out and they start pounding their chest or pounding their glove you're gonna sit there and take it you know if you're gonna pimp it don't be upset when someone pimps it back at you but there's also a like it also depends to an extent on the situation so like if you're blowing a team out i don't think it's necessary to be pimping anything because i mean you're already beating them 15 nothing. I don't think you need to add any more drama with bat flipping and all that stuff. But again, it the situation depends on it. Because that's what's going to get guys thrown out, which I think is classless if you throw at guys on purpose. 
Uh, there are no exceptions. I just I don't like it when you throw at guys on purpose. I knew, like, for the Astros, for example, you knew they were going to get thrown at on purpose. Okay, not okay. I don't like that, especially if... Because you could be harming their, their, for the rest of their lives. Like, if you throw it and it hits them in the head or something, or hits them in the wrong part of their body, you could be ruining their careers or ruining their own personal health outside of baseball, which is why I don't like guys getting thrown at on purpose. But again, that that we could go a lot more in detail on like new school and old school baseball. Maybe we'll do that in the off season and talk about that and we'll see what happens with that. You know, a lot of, a lot a lot is changing with baseball for the good and for the bad. For the bad, it's a lot of the rule changes that are happening for the good it's players starting to show more emotion, have more fun, making baseball fun again. Because baseball has gone through a period where it wasn't really exciting, it was boring. Guys pimping and having some fun out there and showing some emotion really brings a lot of excitement back to the game. But back to the start of this little tangent, Amir Garrett gets seven games. Javi Baez gets an undisclosed fine from Major League Baseball. And now it is time for the last part of this week's episode with Today in Baseball History, which will bring up another little discussion. Back in 2014, the Pirates won their first, the first ever walk-off via instant replay. So a call was made, it was reversed because of instant replay, and it was the first walk-off because of instant replay. The reason I chose this one is is because I want to talk about instant replay, which is busted. I like the idea of a instant replay system. I like the idea behind it, but it definitely needs a lot of work. So unless a play, so the so basically, if a play happens. There has to be undisputable evidence to overturn that. There has to yeah, there has to be undisputable evidence to overturn it. So if he's so if a guy's called safe, there has to be sufficient evidence to reverse that call. If they don't see enough to reverse it, then he's, it's going to stand. I think replay takes way way too long. If they don't have a decision, what within thirty seconds to a minute, the call should stand. The fact that sometimes replay reviews take five minutes plus is ridiculous because when you're trying to, when you're trying to fix pace of when you claim pace of play is a problem and you're trying to fix pace of play, but then when you have replay reviews, whether they're umpire or coaches challenges, you have replay reviews that are lasting forever. You're not making any improvement with fixing the quote-unquote pace of play problem so if you can, if they can't figure out one way or another within 30 seconds to a minute then there should be no changing the call should stand what the umpires say the call should stand if it's if they can't figure it out that quickly there's no reason to spend five to ten minutes replaying a safe call safer out call at first base that's ridiculous it's just so annoying watching replays because they take forever. They take forever. It's so annoying. And I 
get that they have much more camera angles that they can look at than we do, and they've also butchered a very obvious calls this year. There's been at least four or five calls that were so obvious they were one way, but they were completely butchered by the replay review. One of them benefited the Mets, or not the Mets. Did one of them? Yes, it has benefited the Mets at times, like the running out of the baseline with McCutcheon last weekend and all that kind of stuff. So it does benefit teams, but from a baseball fan, fan perspective, it's annoying because then it raises the question of robot umpires, which I absolutely hate, which I think is the stu- second stupidest thing in baseball. The, bi- the stupidest thing in baseball is the runner on second for extra innings, I think is the dumbest rule ever in sports. And the second dumbest rule in sports, most more so with baseball, is the um, idea of robot umpires. I think that is so dumb having robot umpires. I just don't understand it. The human element of the game is so important to baseball. Adding a, I don't even know how a robot umpire would work. I just don't want to see it. I think it is the dumbest thing ever. I know they've kind of, they're kind of experimenting with it in the Atlantic leagues. I just think it is the dumbest, dumbest thing ever. Don't bring that to Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred. You already have enough people hating you for some of the things you've done. Do not add robot umpires and add fuel to the fire. Because I I personally like it when players and coaches get in the face of the umps and get fired, like start screaming at them and get fired up. I think it brings, it's like kind of like when the bench is clear, it brings some excitement to it. And sometimes you get umps that scream back at them. I love it. I think it brings a lot of excitement to the game. You know, obviously they're like, don't want guys like getting too close to the ump and get touching because as soon as you touch an ump whether it's intentional or not you're getting fined something but it brings some excitement to the game when there's bench clearing incidents for some reason we as a society love that we love conflict on sports fields like that we eat it up i don't know why but we just love it so don't bring robot umpires to major league baseball Fix replay review. If you can't figure out the call within 30 seconds to a minute, the call should stand as whatever. Let Joe Girardi or uh, Dave Roberts or Luis Rojas or whoever come out there and argue and get a little fire going. That's all I'm going to say on that. That's going to wrap it up for this week of Raise the Apple. The Mets are playing in about an hour and a half from now or so by the time I'm done recording this. Hopefully this will be uploaded before then. Uh, Mets will look for the series split. Taiwan Walker against John Gant. Hopefully, Francisco Lindor could start to turn things around. Everyone in this lineup is clicking. VR and Pilar, the replace Mets, are doing fantastic. All we need is Lindor to get this motor running. All we need is Lindor, and this thing is going to start going. Everyone else is starting to pick it up. That's Once Lindor clicks, we got a juggernaut of a team going. So make sure you are like, comment, share, subscribe down below. If you are listening on YouTube, subscribe. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, follow us on Twitter at RTA underscore pod. I try and share highlights during the game, although working, I, I mentioned before I was working with a minor league team this summer, so some games that overlap with Mets games I won't be able to, so, but I, I'm trying to think of something to do, maybe like post-game videos or something or like reactions. 
I'll watch the highlights and share something. So stay tuned for that. Again, make sure you subscribe down below. Questions, comments, concerns down below. And we will see you next week. Let's go Mets.